Hello, welcome back to Come Follow Me with Fair Faithful Answers to New Testament Questions. My name is Jennifer Roach. Today we are going to talk about grace and works. We are getting into it. As you know, we're going through the Come Follow Me readings, addressing some of the questions that your evangelical friends or family members might have about our faith as we go along. Not trying to cause fights, not trying to fuel fights, um, just trying to give you perhaps a better way to talk to your friends and family members um, who, who are evangelicals, to understand what they're saying, to understand what they hear when we say certain things, and, and maybe to figure out a better way to share some of the gifts of our faith with them. Um, before we get started, I want to tell you about another talk that is coming up at the FAIR conference in August, August 2 through 4. Um, Stephen Smoot, he is a young scholar. Um, he was at Book of Mormon Central for a long time, um, and now he is at the Beach Roberts Foundation. His, his area of specialty is the Book of Abraham. And if you have questions, worries, wonderings, concern about Book of Abraham, Stephen is your guy, right? Um, recently, BYU Studies put out a 300-page document book on the Book of Abraham. And I think Stephen authored or co-authored nearly every um, article that is in that. Um, just phenomenal knowledge. His talk from either last year or the year before on Book of Abraham was incredible. He is someone you should have on your radar if you do not. Um, if you would like to come in person, August 2 through 4 at the Experience Event Center in Provo, Utah, go to fairlatterdaysaints.org to buy a ticket or you can stream online for free. We just ask that you go to the website and register so we can plan for that. Um, Stephen is speaking on Wednesday. I am speaking on Friday. The schedule for speakers is up at Fair Latter-day Saints, and you can go and see who else is speaking. Some amazing people. I do not, I do not know how they smuggled me in there with all of these other amazing folks, but I'm in there, so I, I'm I'm thrilled. So today we will finally um, get into the topic that comes up probably. <laughs> probably more than any other topic in the last 50 years of conversation between evangelicals and Latter-day Saints, and that's grace and works. Um, maybe the only thing that comes up more is the you worship a different Jesus, um, but that's it. That's interrelated to grace and works, and it's right up there. We touched on this topic a tiny bit back in episode six when we talked about what must I do to be saved, and today we're kind of coming at it from a, a different angle and a little bit deeper. So the traditional argument goes something like this. Um, evangelicals say Latter-day Saints are trying to earn salvation through good works. And Latter-day Saints say evangelicals are practicing a cheap grace where all they have to do is say a prayer and they never actually have to do anything to change their lives or any of the work to become like Jesus or worry about repenting or growing or any of those things. They say the prayer and they're in, right? And we, and we both actually sort of misunderstand each other. Um, I think as we go through this, you're going to see that those questions aren't even really formed in a helpful way, despite the fact that we've been discussing them that way for 50 years. <laughs> and that there's probably some better ways to go about this conversation. 
So both Latter-day Saint and evangelical listeners might be surprised to know one of the most hotly anticipated books coming out this year in the evangelical world is called The Doctrine of Good Works, Reclaiming a Neglected Protestant Teaching. It's from Baker Academic. So this is top, not like scholars with impeccable credentials. Um, These are people that evangelicals listen to. These are people their pastors and leaders listen to. Um, And they have a almost 400 page book talking about how evangelicals have forgotten what it means to do good works book isn't out yet you can read about 25 ish pages um on its um, amazon page i've read them like three times anybody has a hookup to an early copy of that book i'm i i'm your girl slip slip me a copy of that book i would love that otherwise i'll wait till the end of july (laughs) um but it is fascinating that somehow in the evangelical Protestant world, there is enough interest in works that a top level book is coming out about it. Um, they, They will not be inclined, evangelicals will not generally be inclined to give much of an inch on this topic in part because of just how it has been framed. So I'm really, I'm actually really hopeful for this book that it sort of helps reframe some of this a little bit differently. We'll see. It's a book I haven't read yet, so I don't, so I don't know. All that to say, there is movement on this topic. Um, a lot of the discussion you can find on this topic has not moved much past the oversimplified works grace debate that was happening 50 years ago. The old version of this debate really oversimplifies to the point where it doesn't even make sense. If you if you just look at it from the out as like an outside observer, the conversations do not make sense because they're talking right past each other. And actually, if you conceptualize grace versus work works like like as that sentence, it's sort of misleading, right? Because it's sort of saying, well, one side believes you can be saved entirely through grace, but the opposite isn't true. There is no side that believes you're saved entirely through works, right? There are, there are lots of other sides that say the amount of work or works is up for debate. No, nobody, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but nobody is saying, um, it's entirely dependent upon your human um, capabilities to please God and spend eternity with him. Nobody's saying that. Um, so the, the actual conceptualization of it sort of misleads us. Um, I don't know of any group that affirms salvation through works alone. Um, and part of the problem, the part of the problem that that leads us to is that evangelicals have a very different concept of what grace and works are for when they have that conversation it is entirely about are you going to get into heaven or aren't you in the evangelical world the question of um, are we saved by faith alone or or does faith also require require action that is something very very different than what latter-day saints are asking when they say 
well, why wouldn't faith require action? Faith without works is dead. We are talking about two entirely different things here. The evangelical is talking about eternal salvation. Um, if you remember, we talked about in a previous episode, the salvation for them, e eternity for them is a binary choice. You are either in heaven or you are in hell. There are no degrees. There's no gradation in that. There's no second chance. There are no options. Heaven, hell, that, that's it. How many people go to heaven in the evangelical view? Depends upon who you talk to. Some of them will say incredibly, incredibly few. Some of them will say, you know, anybody who, who even kind of gives a passing glance towards Jesus with an approving way, well, well, they'll, they'll be in heaven. Um, but, but still most of them, I don't have a number. I don't have a study to back this up. Less than half of humanity is, is my sense of what they think. Evangelicals who listen, please, please correct me on that. Um, it's, it's really hard for evangelicals to understand what we're saying on this for two reasons. And, and both of them are actually pretty understandable. One is that we've talked about this before. They feel very loyal to Jesus. They are very sensitive about anyone saying that his work of death and resurrection would not be enough. Like it is completely non-negotiable for them. Anyone who touches that with a 10 foot pole, they are gonna call a heretic. It is that they're very, very defensive on that. But they also have a hard time wrapping their minds around the fact that we just conceptualize eternity entirely differently than they do. For Latter-day Saints, um, there is a reality called outer darkness. Um, very, very few people end up there. How many, I have no idea. Um, for evangelicals, the people who end up in hell is a pretty high percentage, um, probably probably more than half, less than half probably make it to heaven in their view. Um, so you can see why this conceptualization bugs them so much, because there's only two options for eternity, heaven or hell. And if you get it wrong about Jesus, you're in hell for eternity. And, and really, truly, they don't want that for the people that they love. So they get real worked up about this right and and i actually i kind of appreciate that about them i think their version of what they're doing is not great it's not super well thought out if i have a choice of what i'm going to believe what i'm going to believe and i do have a choice um i definitely want the the fuller more fleshed out um more godlike version that um latter-day saints have but you can see why this is such a big deal to them um, the question for evangelicals is, will you even make it to heaven? Well, for us, for Latter-day Saints, the question is like, okay, you're going to spend eternity in, in one of these areas of heaven. Um, wh wh what do you, what do you want to do to prepare to get there? How, how are you going to spend your life knowing that's where you're headed for eternity? Like, what do you, what do you want to do? Um, and those are really two entirely different questions. Um, Latter-day Saints are not trying to win God's favor. We're trying to get ready for eternity. So the, the grace works question, it, it's just a really hard conversation sometimes because we're talking about two entirely different things. If the conversation can move past kind of that initial roadblock, we're talking about two different things. It actually gets kind of interesting 
Because the question becomes, in what way do Latter-day Saints believe in grace? And in what way do evangelicals practice good works? Because we both do, and, and, and we both believe. How, how are we doing those in, in different ways? And when it's put this way, you can start to see how we might actually learn from each other. We might actually have quite a bit in common that we can share with each other. Um, so Terrell Givens has an article, um, the BYU Studies Quarterly Magazine. It's volume 60. I didn't, I didn't write down what the date was. It, I think it came out last year. The title of that um, edition is called Yet to be Revealed, Open Questions in Latter-day Saint Theology. Um, and one of the questions is about grace. And Terrell writes, um, as he does, just beautifully about this. He starts out by pointing out that there has been an increase in material produced by Latter-day Saints talking about grace from from general authorities all the way down there, a shift has happened. And he points out, this has caused some evangelicals to kind of sit back and go, huh, are they making a course correction here? Are they, are they trying to turn the ship to a, a Protestant theology? And from Gibbon's point of view, and I agree with him, that is not what's happening here. Let's run through his argument and you'll see. Um, he says the term grace must be given, here's his quote, a uniquely restorationist point of view. Restoration doctrine asserts that it was this act of setting God's heart upon man that constituted the majesty and miracle of God's grace. Deep in the primeval past, when God found himself in the midst of numerous spirit intelligences, before the earth was formed, before man and woman were organized, grace interrupted into the universe. We might consider grace the name of his relentless, inexhaustible, and ultimately irresistible invitation. So interesting, right? Because here, Givens, he is not conceptualizing grace as will you or won't you get into heaven, right? He's saying grace is how all of this began. God invited us into something, and that was the grace. So in this sense, grace is like an invitation to a party. You get to attend, yay! But the point isn't to get an invitation and then to just be happy with your invitation, and, and sit at home and, and stare at your invitation and have a great time to it. That's not why we give out party invitations, right? The point of a party invitation is so that you get to go and talk and dance and eat and do all the things, right? The invitation is how you get to go and do those things. It's like our invitation to live this life. God placed us here. We get to come to this great party. It does not always feel like a party. But in this analogy, we get to come to this great party on planet Earth, this life on Earth. So what activities do you want to do at the party? How do you want to spend your party time? If you got invited to a party, you could talk with people and eat and dance and listen to music and do all the things and have a great time. You could sit in the corner if you wanted to and be miserable you could be disruptive, be angry. You could do all kinds of things, right? You, you got the invitation 
you get a lot of agency about how you want to act at the party. Latter-day Saints would say that's not all that different than what's happening here. We um, received, qualified for an invitation to come to earth. What do you want to do at the party? Um, in the evangelical view, grace gives you an invitation to the party, but that party primarily happens in eternity, not, not really here. It, it's all about what's going to happen in, in heaven or in hell. That's what grace is about for them. Instead of figuring out what they want to do at the party kind of here and now. They, they worry, am I going to the party or am I going to be thrown in a lake of fire? Um, I don't mean to be glib in saying that, but we're having two different conversations. Um, when, when your evangelical friends are worried that people in our faith um, believe works get us into heaven, I mean, you can see just from the last five minutes of this conversation, it, it's a, it's a real, it just reveals a misunderstanding of what they think we believe. As for what it's like for evangelicals, um, with everything I said still being true, there is actually quite a bit of variety in how they approach the issue of works. And, and in the last 20 years, there's been some movement. Um, one of the interesting movements is a lot more evangelicals these days are talking about works in the form of social issues. What are you doing for the environment? What are you doing for the poor? What are you doing for the vulnerable? And that that kind of work is seen as an outpouring of their faith. We would be on a real similar page with them there. We, we might apply it more down in a micro level of our life, serving our families, serving a colleague, serving friends, whereas they might think of like big social issues, but we're kind of getting towards some of the same things there. Evangelicals would still want to be very careful to distinguish what's happening there from some kind of saving faith, um, but it is becoming more and more important for them to live out faith in a way that makes a difference in the world. Um, most evangelicals have no problem seeing the goodness of that, even when they don't participate in it. Um, where they start to wring their hands in worry a little bit is when something like um, a survey came out in 2020 called the American Worldview Inventory. It's done by a college out of Arizona. They surveyed 2000 Americans and found 30% of them identified themselves as Christians. Of that 30%, half said, good works will get you into heaven. Now, they worry about this because they think that that's what we're saying. Good works will get you into heaven, which it's not. We're saying, you got an invite to the party. What do you want to do, right? How, how do you want to spend the time? How do you want to get ready for eternity? This is great. We're not saying good works will get you into heaven, but they just ring and ring and ring their hands over that. Um, we we believe just about everybody gets an invitation to the party. Um, and it's much more about how are you going to spend your time and the resources that you have? So an, another major influence, influence in how evangelicals think about grace and works the, the biggest player here is the Methodist church. 
Methodist church got its start in the 1700s. Um, the Wesley brothers, they, they essentially started because they were eager to do some good works. They were eager to do evangelism. They became like the circuit riding preacher group. They, the Wesleys were born Anglicans, whom I love the Anglicans, but Anglicans were really, really stifling um, people in America at that time. There was some geopolitical stuff going on, reasons for that. And so the Wesleys come up with what they called the method, which is why they're called Methodists, um, which they also call their rule of life. And the number one rule is you should avoid evil. The number two rule is you should do some good in the world. So that tradition developed in a way that deeply cared about doing good works. And they have had a great deal of influence over what evangelicals have become. And even the movement in the last 20 years of evangelicals starting to care more about environment and poverty and, and different social issues, they, they reach back in history and quote the Wesley brothers on that because they haven't had before 20 years ago a ton of people to quote on that so that the Wesleys and the Methodists have a huge influence there. Pew Research Center tells us that um, 75 percent of evangelicals believe in helping the poor and needy. And that that practice is an important part of their faith. And at the same time, it is considered a somewhat optional practice um, to tithe of your income. Less than 25% of evangelicals believe in tithing. Um, and even those who do tithe their money to their local church are probably in congregations where the tithings are going to pay for the expenses of the church the staff, the property, the programming, whatever else is left over, there might be a tiny little bit of that for doing good works, but not tons. It's just sort of the evangelical reality these days. Um, so, so yeah, there's movement on their side. There's some movement on our side. Um, I think it'll be really interesting 20 years from now. I'll be really old by then, but 20 years from now, how has this conversation continued to grow? Um, Latter-day Saint friends, I think the very best thing that you could do in conversation with your loved ones is talk about, like, we wouldn't be here without the grace of God. The grace of God started all of this. That's the only reason we're on this planet, right? And at the same time, affirming in them the good works that you see their churches doing, because they do do good works. We will get into this topic again. We are almost out of the gospels and come follow me. We've got about another month of being in the gospels. And then we're into the letters, which gives us some other things to talk about. I actually really love that we spend six months in the gospels, six entire months. Like the gospels are a tiny part of the new Testament. We spent six months here. I think that's fantastic. It's as it should be, but it will be fun to get into some of the letters as well. Thank you for being with me today. Come back next time. We'll do some more stuff.